0: Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening! Hey friend, welcome back to Life Coach In Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm really excited about today's episode. I hope that you are too. This episode came actually as a request from someone who found me on Instagram and sent me a message and said, Rachel, can you please do an episode on food? Like, what do you eat? Um, How are you eating? How are you going about your meal planning? Because you are super fit. Now, this message honestly made me laugh out loud because I was like, am I? Am I really that fit? Because I don't feel that fit. However, that said, I was like, yeah, that would actually make a really good episode. I mean, I have so much room here to talk about so many different things. Now, caveat here, this is very important. I am not a nutritionist, and so when when I get into diving into these topics today, please know that no, I do not have a background in nutrition. So what I'm about to tell you today comes from other experts, books that I've read, things that I have found in my own life, and I would encourage you to do your own research. I'm just going to basically break down some of the most important things that I have learned in being in the fitness industry because I was a health and fitness coach for many years. And so in that way, I have been in the fitness industry a very long time. I spent many years diving into best practices For eating healthy, clean eating, and I used to run classes on emotional eating. What is emotional eating, how to recognize it in your own life, and how to overcome it. So in that way, I am an expert. However, I do not have a nutrition degree. So all of this information you take with a grain of salt and you think about how you want to apply it to your own life. Now here's the thing. There is a lot of information out floating around online on nutrition. And that doesn't mean that all of it is true or factual or really even based in any kind of research at all. So what I'm about to tell you or what I'm about to break down for you, yes, you can go out there and find it online. I'm just basically going to tell you the things that I would like to bring them to a new level of understanding in your consciousness. I think we all know intuitively how to eat to feed our body right. We all know intuitively that when we eat a certain food, we don't feel good afterward. We all know intuitively that when we do eat a certain food, we do feel good afterward. And I'm going to get into intuitive eating today. That is going to be one of the things that we talk about. I'm also going to talk to you about clean eating as well as emotional eating. So I have a lot of things to cover. Here's what I want you to hear. It's not that I'm teaching you something brand new. What my intent is for this episode is to bring all of this knowledge back up to the surface of your conscious mind so that when you go into this next year, you're reminded of how to eat intuitively to feed your body right and to feed your body well. Best practices for you and your body. Okay, now only you know what's going to be best for you and your body, but I'm going to teach you today how to recognize what's best for you and your body so that as we move into this next year, all of this awareness is back in your conscious mind and you're like, yes, I'm inspired to do what is right by my body. So with that said, let's dive into today's episode on eating clean and intuitively healthy. Let's get started. We learn really well through storytelling. So if you don't mind, (laughs) and you're here, so I'm assuming you don't, I'm gonna spend just a couple minutes talking to you about how I fell into the fitness industry in the first place, which happened by accident. (laughs) Me getting into the fitness industry was a total accident. Um, Basically, I started to dabble with working out and dieting. And yes, it was actual dieting back in the day when I was in high school, because I would compete in pageants, scholarship pageants, or as you probably know them, beauty pageants. And so what I would do is, and by the way, this is kind of vulnerable here. So just know that none of this is what I would recommend that you do. None of this is what I coach girls to do now. This was me back in the day without a coach and without a clue at 16, 17 years old doing these beauty pageants. And at that time, every pageant I did had a bikini portion of the pageant. So Back then in high school, I mean, my diet was pretty bad. I just ate, I didn't know any better, first of all. I just ate whatever. Um, I ate like probably cereal for breakfast or Pop-Tarts for breakfast. And then I'd go to school and I'd eat the hot lunch, whatever that was for the day. Probably pizza or something. And then I'd come home and have like a snack. Who knows what it was? Gushers or something. I'm dating myself. You guys can clearly tell (laughs) how old I am at this point. And then whatever was for dinner, which, you know, my family didn't know anything about health and nutrition so we just kind of ate whatever anyways all of that said when I would go up to what a pageant would be coming up and I'd be like "Ooh, okay I'm gonna have to get in bikini shape now because I have a pageant in three months or four months so what I would just cut out things that were like no-brainers like oh I probably shouldn't eat as many cookies and I should probably say no to that chocolate cake and maybe I should start working out more so this was me like Quote unquote dieting back in the day. I would cut out things that were like, clearly the salad is a better choice than the pizza, right? I think. And so I'd eat the salad and I'd start working out a lot, like almost obsessive compulsively, because I wanted to look good in a bikini and I didn't know how to do that with nutrition. I only knew how to do that with cardio. So that'll give you a clear picture of who I was at 17 years old. Well, I worked out so much that I could basically eat whatever I wanted and it wouldn't show. And I didn't care about health. I didn't care about total wellness in my body or performance um, athletically. I just wanted to look good in my bikini. So then when I went to college... I didn't have as much opportunity to work out a lot. I was busy. I was completely overwhelmed with classes in college. And so my um, athletic career was kind of put on hold. And also the extra workouts that I did to stay in shape were put on hold. And so my lifestyle went from extremely active, we're talking three to four hours of exercise per day, down to nothing. And still not sure how to feed my body or to eat right. So I gained 20 pounds in college, my first year, not like over a four year span. I gained 20 pounds in my first year of college, just basically because I was eating the same food I was always eating and I'd cut out four hours of exercise per day. So that lifestyle started to catch up with me hardcore in college. I started to get massive migraines a lot and I also had an extremely, if I can get super real with you, irritable bowel. So I would eat and then I would get like cramps or I would get constipated or I'd have the other problem where I'd be running to the bathroom all the time and I didn't know. I just thought like, well, this is college and I'm really stressed out. I mean, I had no freaking clue what was going on with my body. My body was sending up red flags all over the place, and I didn't know how to read the signs. I also, unfortunately, was getting the common cold a lot. Like, every five or six weeks, I was sick with, like, a sinus infection or a sore throat or a fever. And I just chalked it up to the fact that I was living in a dorm room on a floor with a lot of other college-aged kids that weren't, like, the cleanliest people in the world. So I just was like... This is just like my dorm is dirty probably and the vents are probably not clean and that is why I'm getting sick all the time. I had no clue that like if I actually ate right for my body and started taking care of my immune system that I would be fine. I just made outward excuses for why I was feeling so miserable like 90% of the time. Well, I had a serious wake-up call moment. One of those moments that for some reason just changes the trajectory of your life. I, one day, got a migraine so bad, I thought I was going to die. I literally thought, I'm not going to survive this. I am So completely dysfunctional at this point my body might shut down. I remember my whole body was shaking. I had a full body shakes. I felt like I was going to throw up. The room was spinning. I couldn't handle lights or even conversation. Like people were trying to ask me if I was okay and I couldn't talk because my migraine was so bad and I couldn't even listen to them because the incoming sound was creating me to feel like I was going to throw up. And I remember I was laying in the fetal position with sunglasses on in a dark room thinking, this is it. I'm not going to survive this. My life is over. Now, that sounds super dramatic. (laughs) I was, what, 20 at the time, so we'll let me be dramatic. But I really did think my life was over. Obviously, I survived that And it changed my life because even though there had been a lot of red flags for a long time, that was the final straw that finally got me to wake up and realize that I was not taking care of myself, that something was really, really wrong for a 20-year-old to be curled up in the fetal position thinking that she's going to die. And I thought that's it. I'm not taking care of myself. There's got to be something that I can do differently in my life and I didn't know exactly what it was yet. It's not like I had this epiphany like you need to start eating better, Rachel. This is God. I didn't have that. I just had this awakening of like something has to change. I don't know what it is but come hell or high water, I will figure out what I need to do differently, and so help me God, I will change my life. That started a journey for me where I started to pay attention. I didn't actually know exactly what I needed to do differently, and I didn't have time to get a nutrition degree, yet I started to really pay attention to how I felt after each and every meal. And I kept a diary. I kept a journal. Um, If I'm eating this and this and this for breakfast, I would wait a couple hours, and then I would write how I felt afterward. Sometimes it didn't even need to wait a couple hours. Sometimes it was like 10 minutes later, and I was like, oh, I don't feel that good. Hmm. Okay, so when I eat pancakes for breakfast, 10 minutes later, I feel lethargic. I feel tired. I feel unable to function properly. I have brain fog. I can't think clearly. I want to take a nap. That's how I feel after I eat pancakes. I have not had pancakes in years Because I know how it makes me feel afterward. So I started this journey of just figuring out what does my body feel like after I eat? As I was on this journey of self-discovery of intuitive eating, at that same time, I also saw a Beachbody infomercial and was like, oh, perfect. I can do that workout in my dorm room. I don't need a lot of space. I don't need any equipment. I'm going to start doing that workout, which then led me to love that workout and actually become certified in that workout and become a Beachbody coach, where I then began to teach people how I was eating intuitively. And some of the classes that I ran while I was a full-time Beachbody coach, I ran a clean eating class where I taught people basically how to eat clean. What does that even mean? What does that look like? What is that? And I also ran emotional eating classes for people that were emotionally eating because I kind of found out that, hello, I had been eating emotionally my whole life and didn't even understand that. And so I started to run these different health and fitness classes where the more I wanted to teach, the more I had to learn. So I began to read certain books. And I'll tell you which books I found the most helpful. And then I'll kind of give you like the main points that I took away from these books. The first book I'm going to talk to you about is by Lee Douglas. And it is called Clean Eating, The Ultimate quick start guide now i read this book because it was a quick start (laughs) that is literally why i picked out this book there's so many books out there on clean eating but i was like "Ooh, this one says the word quick in it sold and this book was totally phenomenal i'm going to teach you some of the main points that are in the book but i want to give lee douglas the credit because he wrote the book and i loved it Lee basically broke down what is clean eating in a way that was so phenomenally simple and easy to wrap my brain around and reteach to my clients. Basically, what I learned from this book is that clean eating are whole foods, foods that are found on a farm. So when you think about foods that are found on a farm, what do you think about? You think about vegetables, fruits, whole grains, lean meats, seasonings that come from plants or roots. Have you ever been to a farm that had a Pop-Tart tree? Have you ever been to a farm that had a pizza tree? No, you haven't. So the way to start thinking about clean eating if you want to eat cleaner, and I trust me, I'm gonna go into why this is so important and why you're gonna wanna start eating clean in just a minute. But for my what people, what is clean eating? It's basically eating the whole foods that you can find on a farm. Anything else, any ingredient that you cannot pronounce, that you don't know what it is, that is made in a factory somewhere. And that factory ingredient comes with preservatives and toxins. Dun, dun, dun. And those preservatives and toxins, when we eat those, What our body actually does is it sends up an alarm signal to our brain. And it says, "Uh uh-oh, poison. So when you're eating foods that are not found on a farm, when you're eating something that is phony. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're eating a Pop-Tart or you're eating Quaker oats. That's like my favorite example to give because there's whole grain oats, which are totally natural. And then you have your Quaker oat brand that comes in a packet and you just dump it in a bowl with some hot water. Well, what is in that? When you're stirring that up and it's rising or thickening, if you go and you read the box, what you're going to see a lot of are preservatives, toxins, food colorings, things that our body doesn't recognize. So when we eat that food, our body goes, "Uh uh-oh, poison. And what it does is it goes and it pulls those toxins and actually wraps those toxins in fat. So, you could be on a caloric deficit diet as I was in high school and college and when you're eating those preservatives and toxins and your body's wrapping it and storing it in fat, why is it doing that? Because it does not want those preservatives and toxins to get into your bloodstream and to get into your brain. It's trying to protect your body. Your unconscious mind's prime directive is to keep your body safe. So when you put toxins in the body, it goes, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. It wraps it in fat and stores it so that it doesn't get to your brain and cause all kinds of dysfunction in your body. Trust me, it is causing dysfunction in your body because after a while, if you're just eating toxins over and over and over again, your body is filled with toxins. That is why I was getting migraines. That's why I was having stomach problems. That's why I was getting sick all of the time because my body was in constant fight or flight mode from all the toxins that were in it this is also a major reason why people plateau when they're on a caloric deficit diet because if all they're doing is counting calories and they are not paying attention at all to whole foods what they're doing is let's say they're eating junk food all the time even though they're tracking their calories and they're in a caloric deficit after a while their body goes oh heck, no, I'm not releasing any more fat because as I do that, we're going to release all these toxins back into the bloodstream. So I'm just going to keep this little cushion of fat right here because that's where all the toxins are stored and it's protecting your bloodstream. That is why people plateau. That is one of the reasons why. That is not the only reason why. That is one of the major reasons why people on caloric deficit diets plateau it's because they are eating food-like substances. They're not actually eating whole foods that are found on a farm. So clean eating, the definition of clean eating is basically just eating those whole foods that are found on a farm. Whole vegetables, whole fruits, whole grains, lean meats, seasonings that come from plants or roots. Now, within that clean eating structure, um, you can do whatever kind of diet you want. You can do a paleo diet. You can do a caveman diet. You can do the all-meat diet. You can do no-grain diet. Whatever. Whatever feels good to your body intuitively when you eat certain foods, just start paying attention. That's why I was a little bit hesitant to start talking about what I eat on a podcast because what I eat on is not necessarily what's going to be right for you to eat. So, I, for example, don't do milk. I don't do it because when I have milk, I do not feel good afterward. But I'm not going to say publicly on a podcast, you need to go dairy-free. Because I'm not saying that you need to go dairy-free. I'm saying that for me, I'm paying attention to my body and when I have milk, I don't feel good afterward. Same with soy. When I have soy milk or when I eat tofu or something... I don't feel good afterward. I'm not going to make a declarative statement that nobody can be eating tofu. Some people don't have an issue with it. I do. Yet the important thing to recognize about whole foods is just that it's coming from the farm. Even if it's meat and you don't eat meat, whatever. I'm just explaining what clean eating is. Now, another reason why you're going to want to start eating cleaner. Let's say you've been eating like lots of food that isn't clean for a long, long time, and you're like, oh, Rach, I definitely have some toxins stored up because I eat that microwavable lean cuisine every night and stuff that has preservatives in it, it's okay. Okay. Here's how you can start to turn it around for your body so that your body can come down off of fight or flight mode. It can come down off of trying to protect your body from the constant toxins and you can eventually release and eliminate those toxins in the body. You actually start by eating more whole clean foods. When you start to eat whole clean foods, your body relaxes. It goes, ah, okay, I recognize this food. I know what this is. I know how to how to extract the nutrition, the nutrients and the minerals and the vitamins from this food and let this food be thy medicine to the body. Your body knows how to do that. So how do you detox the body from all the toxins? Very, very simple. You just start adding in more of that whole food into your body so your body can release those toxins through your elimination system. It can't eliminate it while you keep putting it in your body. If you keep putting the toxins in your body, it's going to keep wrapping it in fat and storing it. However, once you pull in all of the whole foods into your diet, yes, your body will eliminate the toxins. One more reason why you're going to want to consider eating cleaner. Eating cleaner foods is going to most likely prevent your body from autoimmune disorders like rheumatoid arthritis like multiple sclerosis ms cancer diabetes when you start eating whole foods it's medicine for your body your body is going to thank you and protect you from getting these preventable things once you have those preventable things turning it around is a lot harder so let's just take care of our body the best we can. It's not a guarantee that you're never going to get sick, but it is a step in the right direction for you to maintain total health and wellness. One more thing I want to talk to you about today is emotional eating. Now emotional eating, a lot of times when people think about emotional eating, they have this picture, right, of the the girlfriend that's just gotten dumped and she's eating this massive gallon of ice cream with a shovel and crying while she's eating <laughs> that's like obviously emotional eating yet emotional eating is actually a lot broader than that and a lot of people um, can struggle with emotional eating because it doesn't just look like that it doesn't just look like eating while we're crying or totally devastated Emotional eating is actually just eating whenever we're not hungry. That is how emotional eating is defined by the book that I'm going to talk to you about next, which is End Emotional Eating Using Dialectical Behavior Therapy Skills to Cope with Difficult Emotions and Develop a Healthy Relationship to Food, written by Jennifer L. Tates. Yes, that title is, in my opinion, a mouthful, (laughs) but you can just research and emotional eating by Jennifer L. Tates and you will find it I'll even link it how about that I'll link it in the show notes for you this book is so good and it is actually I think one of the things that started me on a journey to becoming a life coach was thinking about these behavior therapy skills and applying them to um, my eating as well as teaching them to my clients and I was like oh my gosh this is gold talking to people about their psychology that's where it's at, and so I have nothing but good things to say about this book and what it has done for me and for my life and for my um, former health clients. And in this book, Jennifer Tate's defines emotional eating as any time we eat when we are not hungry. It's not defined by when our significant other breaks our heart and we're sobbing into a gallon of ice cream, although that is a part of emotional eating. Emotional eating is much broader than that. So when we take inventory of, hmm, when in my life do I eat when I'm not hungry? Suddenly we're like, oh, a lot. (laughs) And you may be totally and completely free from that. And also if you're like, ooh, I do eat when I'm not hungry, then this is all interconnected. You know, our physical health our emotional health, our mental health, our spiritual health all make up who we are as a person. And when one piece of us is suffering, it trickles outward. So I want you to imagine for a second, if, you, if all you think all the time are negative thoughts in your mental health, in your thought life, do you think that's going to have an effect on your emotional well-being and your physical health and even your spiritual health? Yes, all these parts of us are connected. So that's why I wanted to take some time today to talk about whole food, to talk about healthy eating, because yes, I am an emotional and mental and behavioral life coach, yet our mental health, our spiritual health, and our emotional health, and our physical health are all interconnected. So now that we've defined emotional eating, eating any time, when we're not hungry, I want to go into kind of what happens with emotional eating. Emotional eating occurs for most people when they are avoiding a certain emotion. So there are 10 negative emotions according to NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. There are 10. There's 5 that everyone experiences. They are anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. And then there are five supercharged emotions, which you may or may not experience at different times. And those are rage, depression, terror, betrayal, and shame. With those 10 emotions, and of those emotions, we can use other language. So for example, with fear, you might experience anxiety, you might experience panic. That's all interconnected to fear. Yet these labels help us to identify and put language on what is going on with us inside of our body emotionally. Labels help us diagnose what is going on with us. So I'll give you an example. Have you ever met somebody who just uses the terms they're feeling good or they're feeling bad? Oh, how you doing today? Good. How you doing today? Not so good. Bad. This language is very vague. And when we use it to describe how we're feeling, we're doing ourselves a disservice. Okay, so I'm going to give you an analogy now. Let's say you go to the doctor and you tell the doctor. The doctor says, how do you feel? I feel bad. Okay, and um, what's wrong with you? I'm sick. Okay, what are, you, what are your symptoms? I feel bad. The doctor going to be like, I can't diagnose anything until you tell me your symptomology. And then you say, oh, my throat hurts. I have a fever. I have a stomach ache. I have body chills, body aches, and I'm vomiting. Oh, you have the flu. Let me get you some medication for the flu. So with more knowledge... We're able to do more for ourselves in processing what's happening inside of our body with these emotions because each emotion actually signals to our unconscious mind what action we would like to take. The word emotion actually comes from the word motion, movement. Emotions are there to help us decide how to act and react. Take early man for example, early caveman. If a caveman went outside and saw a bear, he would immediately be flooded with fight or flight fear. And that fight or flight fear would allow him to make a quick decision. It shuts off his rational thinking brain because he needs to think and act quickly. He needs to assess the situation and decide, what are my options here? He does not have time to make a pros and cons list. Should I go inside and get my spear? If I do that, then the bear might follow me into the cave and I might die. Or my other option right now is to try to run. If I do that, I suppose I could find a tree and try to escape through climbing the tree, but you know what? The bear might be able to climb the tree. So what am I going to do? He doesn't have time to make any type of rational thinking, come to a conclusion decision. His body floods him with that fear, floods him with fight or flight, and quickly, within seconds, milliseconds, he's decided what he's going to do in order to save his own life. So emotions send signals to our body to tell us what behavior we should do. For example, what is the point of guilt and shame? What is the point of that? Think of early man. In early man, the point of feeling guilt and shame was to tell the the body... Oh, my tribe did not like my behavior. And if I continue down this road in this behavior, I'm going to be kicked out of the tribe. And then I'm not going to be able to have hunting buddies. I'm not going to be able to have people providing for me. I'm not going to have shelter. I'm not going to have a community. I'm going to be excommunicated from the community. Therefore, this guilt and shame is telling me to change my behavior in this group of people. Does that make sense? So each and every single emotion that you have comes with behavior. What is the point of grief and sadness? Grief and sadness tell the body to slow down. It also tells the body, we are not enjoying this experience. Is there any way we can avoid this experience in the future? Let's slow down, let's process what's happening, and let's grieve and be sad. That's the point of sadness. That's the purpose that it has in your body. What is the purpose of happiness? Let's say you go to coffee with friends and you have a great time and you're like laughing and joyous and drinking your coffee and you're like, yes, this is fun. I'm really enjoying myself. And then as you're there enjoying yourself, the body is rewarding you. It's rewarding you with dopamine. It's rewarding you with serotonin. It's rewarding you with oxytocin. It's rewarding you with endorphins. So all of this is being happening inside the body and your brain says, yes. Let's do this again. I wanna repeat this next time. This is rewarding. So feel good emotions give us information to continue behavior. Negative emotions give us different information so that we know how to behave in the future. This is very important. Emotions are neither good nor bad. They are positive or negative. We need to stop saying that we feel bad because when we feel bad or when we say we feel bad, our unconscious mind thinks that we are actually calling ourselves bad. I'm bad. I'm not feeling good. So, therefore, this experience is bad. No, it isn't bad, it's information. When we label that information, we now are empowered to choose behavior that's in alignment. So let's say we feel sad. Okay, well somebody who emotionally eats might ignore that sensation or label it bad and then go to food to numb, to numb out, to ignore the sadness, to not want to pay attention to it because it's quote unquote bad oh I need to avoid this I need to skip the feeling of bad and I need to move forward into something more fun and more quote-unquote good I'm going to eat whatever popcorn peanut butter candy whatever it is the go-to snack it could even be an apple it's just a distraction well that distraction is temporary so then when we're done eating we go back to feeling sad because we never dealt with it in the first place. We never labeled it in the first place. We never sought understanding from the information in the first place. So the unconscious mind goes, hey, remember this? We're trying to deal with this. What would you like to do? Oh, I feel bad. So now I'm going to go eat again so I don't feel bad. Well, how about we pause for a second and ask, first thing we need to do, actually, the first thing we need to do is label the emotion. Once you label it, you remove its power. What is this feeling? Oh, I feel sad. Okay, well, what would I like to do in the emotion of sadness? Your unconscious mind will tell you. Your unconscious mind will not say, go numb out and eat tons of food. Your unconscious mind is going to provide ways that you can process the emotion and move through it. For example, journaling, going for a walk, calling a friend, making a coffee date. All of those things would be appropriate for honoring the sadness and moving through the sadness rather than, I have the urge to eat, I'm going to go eat. That's emotional eating. We can honor our emotions by just, um, in the book, she calls it urge surfing, urge, U R G E, urge surfing. I have an urge to eat. Well, why don't I just ride this wave and wait a minute and t- um, listen for what emotion is coming up for me? And then when I know what emotion is coming up for me, then I can move forward into inspired action because my emotion will tell me, it'll allow me the information to know how I want to behave and move forward. Isn't that so helpful? So helpful. So now, anytime that you feel the urge to eat, even if it's just because you're bored or stressed out, instead you can ride that urge and say, hmm, that's interesting. What emotion am I feeling right now? Once you have that emotion labeled, the next thing that I'm going to do, this is extra. This is not in the book. This comes from NLP. NLP. The next thing you do when you have your emotion labeled, sadness, anger, fear, hurt, guilt, betrayal, shame, whatever it is, you have it labeled, scale it. Scaling how intensely you feel the emotion will allow your unconscious mind to feel so incredibly heard that that number will actually decrease. So let me walk you through this. You say, what emotion am I feeling right now? Anger. Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how angry do I feel? A 9. Okay, I've acknowledged that I feel angry. I've acknowledged that I'm at a 9. So guess what? It's actually going to decrease my anger. Have you ever just been in an argument with somebody and just said the words, I'm angry right now? Try it. Try it. Because it will allow you to diffuse yourself. It really will. You're in an argument with somebody. If you just acknowledge that you're angry, rather than raising your voice and starting to shout, you just say, I'm really angry right now. It's not your fault. I'm totally owning my own emotion. That's, that's key here. You don't get to blame the other person and say, you're making me angry. Nope, I didn't say that. I said you acknowledge your own feeling and you own it. I'm angry right now. <sighs> okay. Now I can breathe because I said it out loud. Labels is going to be the key takeaway from this episode. Number one, because you're going to start labeling your emotions and asking for more information about what does that emotion want me to do? Emotion coming from the word motion. What is this emotion calling me to do? How do I want to show up with this emotion? And I get to honor my emotion. Labels are also going to help you understand if something is a clean food or a food-like substance that was made in a factory and comes with preservatives and toxins. The last topic I really wanna cover in depth is intuitive eating. I did allude to this a little bit earlier. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but what actually is intuitive eating and how can you start to try it in your own life? Now intuitive eating to me and my definition of what I'm talking about here is a connection, a reconnection with the unconscious mind, the intuition with the body and how food makes us feel. I don't mean feelings, emotions like we talked about in emotional eating, what I mean is how does my body react to the food? Am I listening? Am I paying attention to what my body is asking me to eat? And also, am I paying attention to how I feel after I eat? Intuitive eating does not provide a ton of evidence to support weight loss. However, it does provide evidence to support that intuitive eating has been linked with improved cholesterol levels and blood pressure and reduced markers in inflammation. Intuitive eating helps us listen to what food does within our body. So, some people, let me give you some concrete examples. Some people eat gluten and have no problem with it, other people eat gluten and it totally wrecks their digestive system. Other people eat gluten and they feel inflammation. Other people eat gluten and they get headaches. Well, what does gluten do in the body? Do we need to go ask each and every single person? We need to do a total diagnostic on what gluten is doing in the body? You can if you want to, or you can just pay attention to how it is reacting inside of your own body and say, hmm, is this something that my body would like me to cut out of my diet or is it really no big deal for me personally? Once you start to take inventory on how you feel, there are going to be foods that you cut out that absolutely do support your weight loss goals if you have them. So for example, I don't often eat sugar anymore because I pay attention to my body and whenever I eat sugar, I don't feel great afterward. I might not feel horrible, but I don't feel good. I don't feel energetic. I don't feel ready to take on the day. I feel kind of sluggish and I have a little bit of brain fog. And later I might experience a headache. And so I don't want to deal with that. So because I don't want to deal with that, I'd rather just not eat the sugar and feel Really good. So I make food choices based on how I'm going to feel. This may or may not support your weight loss goals. Some, for example, if ground beef feels good for you, then you can eat ground beef. But if you actually want to lose weight, Then you're also going to have to figure out what foods you're going to eat with it. You're going to have to do some portion control. You're going to have to find out what macronutrients you're eating at all times. That would be more of a program that will help you to lose weight if you want to cut down. I'm just talking about how do you feel when you eat and because I ask myself these questions no longer consciously this all happens kind of habitually and unconsciously now that I've practiced it yet because I've practiced it there just are certain foods that I won't eat I just don't crave them I don't want them in my body anymore I don't want cake and cookies anymore I really don't so how do you get to that level First thing you want to do is you want to start keeping a food journal. This does not have to be some big, long, enormous, drawn-out project. It can just be a sentence or two. I ate pancakes for breakfast. How do I feel? One morning. And then the next morning, I ate bacon and eggs. How do I feel? Then the next morning, I had a fruit smoothie. How do I feel? And just take inventory of how did you feel immediately after? How did you feel an hour after and how did you feel two to three hours after? Because I know for me, if I have a fruit smoothie in the morning, I might feel great for like an hour and then I'm going to crash. Me personally, you might not experience that at all. So I've just learned that there are certain foods that I feel better for longer if I eat them. That is kind of what my quote unquote diet consists of are foods that make me feel really good. If you are looking to lose weight and cut down, you absolutely will if you follow every single tip in this podcast because tip number one was to start eating whole foods and to cut out preservatives and toxins. That right there is going to do wonders for your body. The second thing you're going to do is you're going to stop emotional eating and allow yourself to fully feel emotions and ask your unconscious mind what behavior would like to follow that emotion. And then the last thing you're going to do is you're just going to take a diary, a journal of how do you feel after each and every meal. If you do every single one of those things, you will lose weight and live a happier, healthier lifestyle. I guarantee it. So I hope you have found this episode super helpful. Even though I didn't go into specifics about what I'm eating for every single meal, I hope I've given you enough valuable information where you can now go create your own meal plan With enthusiasm, motivation, and inspiration. Because you really are in the driver's seat of your own health. You are. I love you, friend. Thank you so much for coming to today's episode. And I will see you next week. Oh, also, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and have a Happy New Year. And if you are interested in getting involved in one of my coaching programs, today is the day to sign up. I'm doing five days of coaching for only $37. We start January 9th, 2021. It's going to be off the chain. Awesome. I will link that in the show notes. So all you have to do is scroll down, click on that link in the show notes and boom, You will be redirected to my landing page for my five days of coaching in January to get your year started off right. All right. Have a fabulous, fabulous holiday. I'll see you next week. Bye. Hey there. This week's episode of Life Coach In Your Pocket was brought to you by Keys to Wealth. Everybody deserves more wealth in their life, including you. If you want to feel more abundant and more empowered around money and you want more money in your life, do I have good news for you. I am doing five days of keys to wealth so you can learn where you're at now with your money, whether that be in debt or you have a savings account or you're looking to do more investments whatever your money situation is right now. This challenge is right for you because we're going to look at where your money is currently and what your 2021 money goals are and we're going to close that gap together. So if you've been looking for a way to start coaching with me and you're not sure where to start, this is where to start. My five-day keys to wealth challenge is coming up in January and it is only $37 That's right, friends. You can coach with me for five days for only $37. Sign up right now because I promise you these spots are limited and they will go quickly. You get VIP one-on-one coaching with me every day for five days so you can increase your wealth. So what do you got to do to sign up? You are going to go to bit.ly forward slash keys to wealth. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash capital K-E-Y-S capital T-O capital W-E-A-L-T-H bit.ly forward slash keys to wealth. And I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. So all you have to do is scroll down, click on that link and sign up today. And we can get started on our coaching journey together. Let's do it. Remember, you're in the driver's seat. Let's get started. Bye, friend. Have a happy, happy holiday, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, Or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.